It's the Heart of a Fighter show. Thank you for listening. I'm Johan Francis. Welcome into the show. We're here. This is a show where we tell the most amazing stories about real folks like yourself. You come on here, you tell your story, you listen to other stories of success, and that helps you stay active and lean inside the gym. If you'd like to get involved with the show, head over to heartofafighter.com. Head over to coachjohancscs.com for more habits and tips you can use to stay active. So, like, let's take a minute and remember back in the day, right? The year is 2019, and try to stretch with me. You could go inside the gym. So we could go inside the gym and remember wiping down the equipment. We remember spotting other people, right? Fellas, remember trying to catch the eye of a beautiful queen on the side working the pulley bar. Right, the lap pull-downs. You remember sharing a treadmill with other folks. You used to wipe that treadmill down, right? The handle, so no one caught whatever, you know, cold virus you had on your fingers. The stakes are even more elevated today. So we can't even go up in the gym. But back in the day, we're like, yo, if I have a common cold, I don't want to spread this. I'm going to wipe everything down. So you get the spray bottle out. You wipe that shit down real quick. No biggie, right? Move on to the next. You might even get a thank you from somebody who saw you do it. Right? Except except you Gen Zers. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> as polite as you are, I think gym etiquette is lost on some of us uh, sub-27-year-olds. In any event, right? I'm not going to yell at clouds no more. Here's the deal. When gym etiquette was a thing, you'd wipe that down because you knew that the person partaking in the same exact activity after you was going to use the same equipment. Why? Because everybody inside that gym had the same goal. And whether that goal was to lose weight, body fat percentage, to rehab an ailing knee ligament, right, to get better at kettlebells, maybe they had a CrossFit competition, whatever, right? Maybe they were a high-level jiu-jitsu player getting ready for competition. You don't know. You can't tell by looking right away, but you don't know. But the point is, everybody inside that gym wanted to leave feeling amazing. We shared a common, communicable goal. You can't tell me that we didn't. You can't tell me that we didn't. Everybody in there, no one inside that gym, the gym we used to go to and hang your hat, wanted to leave feeling crappier than when they got there. Facts. Facts. Everyone wants to feel amazing when they leave the gym, right? Sometimes when I'm here training with my, with my people, my trainees, right, and the workout was hard, like I noticed you guys are struggling through the workout, you know, when you guys walk out the door. I, I'll turn up a little bit. <laughs> I'll start screaming at the top of my lungs, right? Good job, beautiful, because we want to end on a high note, right? It's not so much an artificial thing, but I do want to make sure you end on a high note. Sometimes trainees will catch me off guard and they'll talk only about the good things they did that day because they want to leave on a high note. You have 
at the end of the day, when you leave the gym, you want to leave feeling on a high note. You want to leave feeling great. Your workout should crescendo and stay relatively high better than when you walked in. Everybody wants that. You could be on this side of the political spectrum, right? And believe me, if you're the complete opposite of me, I do not hold it against you politically, right? I don't put too much bearing in that in terms of someone's personality. I know it's very easy to, especially these days, but this us versus them thinking, as I'll get into in a minute, it behooves no one, really. I don't care if you're someone that believes in, you know, you know, you're trying to do a low-carb diet out here. You're doing that keto, and I'm, you know, over here trying to do a morning fasted run. Both of us want to leave the gym feeling better. I don't care if you don't believe in driving cars that have combustible engines, and I'm driving over here a Prius. We want to both leave the gym feeling amazing. Facts. Facts, facts, facts. I don't care who is crawling out of your bed in the morning or what they look like. That's you. Because when you're in the gym, we're there because we love ourselves and our family. Because we want to be stalwarts and strong folks for those people. That's why we're here doing it. Okay. Have you ever thought about that person that's going to use the equipment right after you? Just how different they are than you? Right? And when you do, it doesn't really matter, does it? It's not like you're going to wipe down. Maybe you wipe it down a little bit less, right? But you're not in there trying to actively perpetuate some kind of animus towards people that you don't even know. You're in there expressing, you know, happiness and love, right? The biggest, most meatheadiest people in the gym, right? They turn up the most because they need that energy. And that energy actually kind of spreads throughout the gym. It becomes this... Um, symbiosis right it sets the gym standard really high the gym culture used to be spearheaded by the most meatheadiest people in the gym right and coaches and trainers they're up in there screaming at the top of their lungs woo doing woo all over the damn place because we're trying to keep the gym culture high the positive vibes have to flow right they can't be congested and what I offer is this Know that we're sharing spaces and it's easy to forget that point a lot of the time. Out here we're plagued right now with a a perpetually cloudy sky because we've had so many ominous lightning strikes that the sky turned gray, (laughs) right? It's like a scene out of some like post-apocalyptic, you know, fucking fallout five <laughs> like some kind of like um daisy movie where just the sky is gray because something bad happened right we got that we have a we have a highly contagious pandemic you know uh keeping all of us indoors we have all these reasons to divide we have social injustice up the ass something that's embryonic maybe for some of us is now coming to light for some of us while most of us know that this shit has been around (laughs) I don't want to say since time immemorial but it's been around for a very long time now all of a sudden we are clear that it's around and so a lot of us have taken to expressing the way we feel 
right? So there's all these reasons to put each other, pit each other against each other. That's not my brother. That's not my brother's keeper. They're against us. They look like that. They say that and they wear these colors. They're against us. It's the whole Democrats and Rebletigans, right? Right? Going on. And I want to implore you that it's much easier to do that when we're in a negative mind space than it is to remember that we're sharing a lot more shit than we're not. I understand like on the home front, if you come onto my lawn and you're, you have ill intent or even not perfect neighborly intent, I'm going to ask you to leave one way or another, right? But when we're out there, when we're not just cooped up in our houses, even though that's easy these days, when we're out sharing the elevators, if you live in an apartment, right? You're sharing the staircase, you share the lobby, you guys are waiting out line outside in line to get into, you know, freaking Walmart or whatever. Or the supermarket. Okay. We're sharing that space together. And so it's much more. Humane. And urbane frankly. To consider. That we're here to share. The space together. And that we're just trying to get home. On a high note. Man. No one. This didn't register for me. In any kind of way. Until I met. Way back. When I was like 26. When I met Reggie. Man you couldn't tell me nothing. Right. I was all about that us versus them. And it didn't. You know I would sleep like a stone at night. But when I met Reggie. I can honestly say. My mindset shifted. Or began to shift. And you know seeing as it's many many moons later. My mindset is fermented. Or fomented in a way where I can say hey. We're more alike than we are different. And those differences, yes, they are at the spear point or the tipping point of where I make a determination of whether or not I'm going to fuck with you forever. Right? You're going to be my friend forever or not. It's based on these like three things versus the hundred that we have in common. Sure. Right? But never, we want to never forget that we have so much in common anyway. So... Let me tell you, Reggie was a 350-pound Polish dude, and he grew up right where I'm at in California. So I didn't even grow up here, right? I've I've been I've lived here for like 30-something years, but he grew up here pretty much. I think maybe he was born in Poland, but he moved here when he was a little kid. By the way, Reggie's 69 now. When he was a kid, man. They sent him off to jail. They sent him off to continuation school the whole nine. And this is despite his family being um, adamant, I guess, Christians or Orthodox, whatever, Christians over there. And he comes here, you know, grows up, gets sent into jail a few times just for, you know, riding a little bit heavy, too many drugs in the car. Maybe DUI, this and that, right? Maybe a, uh, um, nothing too serious, just fucking a little bit too much partying. Reggie. Reggie had to get into shape and turn his life around, right? Had to turn his life around. Had just gotten married, right? Late in his life. 
And now he's finally taking an interest in his health. And as soon as I meet Reggie, who's someone who has a complete opposite political stance, largely that I do, which, as I said before, you know, I have best friends, best friends, road dogs, A1s that have different political stances. That shit does not mean anything at the end of the day, okay? And... Okay, and I can't say it doesn't mean anything. If you get into a nice conversation with folks, you can really understand where they're coming from. But I've had a cousin who has been to jail and had to do a lot of conversing with essentially skinheads and told me straight up, this guy's a skinhead and I can make him laugh. You can't tell me that that guy is an active racist on the outside. You cannot tell me that. Because we actually saw the guy on the outside. He told me that. And on one hand, I thought, you don't know him that well. On the other hand, I'm like, oh yeah, jail. County jail. And you do what you can to survive. And that stuck with me. So real life, I told Reggie, hey, how are we going to um, we're gonna get you into shape? Now here's the thing. We're polar opposites. And right off the top, I'm like, how is this going to work? How is this dude even going to listen to me? Why would he choose to listen to him so much younger? Because you got to understand, we met through his uh, sister. Okay? So who trained with me. And we actually, not only does she train with me, she still trains with me. And she's an amazing person. We consider each other best friends at this point. Um, as far as that goes with, with training. And so... Uh, Reggie is, I'm like, dude, this dude is not going to listen to me. ain't going to do nothing I say. I am fucked when it comes to trying to reach this guy. I'm just going to try my best. Okay? This is a more altruistic. <laughs> not that I'm not anymore, but this is a more starry-eyed version of, of Johan, who's going to help anyone at all costs inside the gym. And uh, here go here goes Reggie, who's, you know... Not, you know, he's smoking a gang of cigarettes, you know, on the way there. <laughs> Doesn't listen to no one, you know, expects his uh, his wife to do everything for him. Because that's how, <laughs> that's what that traditionalism will get you. <laughs> and, <laughs> right, uh, like, wokeism, not for Reggie. Anyways. Reggie is um, inside with me working. How am I going to motivate him? When this dude is struggling to get to eat consistently throughout the day to ditch, you know, the the gigantic, you know, 20-inch extra-large pepperoni, how am I going to convince this dude that that's of his best interest? Right? What inroads do I have other than to just be a straight-up professional and to be super pedantic about it, which people don't listen to anyway? How am I going to get this dude, this guy, this gentleman, right, this old head to listen to me? Well, I just had to take a step back. I remember uh, (laughs) a couple times where Reggie comes into the gym and I'm late. Now, I don't pride myself on being late, right? But I sometimes get to the spot behind 
and I oftentimes carry this burden of guilt with me. It's not that big of a burden. Anyway, Reggie, feeling very comfortable with me because, again, me and his sister, right, have been training for a very long time. Reggie's like, back in the day, you come five minutes late, you get fired. And I'm like, good thing it's not back in the day. And that's just what I have to crack the whip back. Of course, I apologize a lot of the time. But Reggie, man, he was just looking to push buttons. And, of course, you know, even though I was in the wrong, I had to push back. Anyhow, he said that a few times. And then he shared a story with me. So before Reggie started getting into trouble in his life, right, he was always in these manual labor jobs. Another way that we're completely polar opposites is he uses his hands a lot to get a, to make a living, right? Reggie used to come, um, go to his job, right? He was fixing car uh, trucks, fixing like diesel trucks or something, or diesel machines, like vehicles, and he showed up five minutes. And the dude told him, hey, you do it again. This is back in the 80s, probably like way before I was born. Um, or 70s or something. You should do it again and you're gone. So he says the next day he's hungover. He shows up five minutes late. Again, like maybe five minutes. And the dude says, hey, you're really good at your job. I really like you as a person. But this is the first month you've been here. You did this twice and I warned you. Here's your check. I'll see you later. Said he lost the best job he ever had, right, as a youngster because he showed up late. So I'm over here like, bro, <laughs> this ain't that. But he's right. He's 100% right. Reggie was showing me his side and making me see that this ain't about me and my protected sense of self. We have to meet in the middle to kind of curate some symbiosis. So largely, I'm telling this guy, what are we going to do to get there? Time. Questions. Listening. Conversing. And just taking your fucking ego out of the equation. Rather than standing there defensive, me versus you, right? When you're in traffic and looking to the left and you see someone driving a real fancy car and they don't give a shit. And you're like, man, that person's life must be tragically opposed to mine. Why not stop in that minute and be like, they're just trying to get home and be happy, you know, with their loved ones. Eat a big dinner and crash out behind some, you know, Instagramming real quick. Just like I am. It becomes hard for us sometimes. And what I learned with Reggie, what I finally learned with this guy is, take my ego out the equation. I learned a lot about this guy. Turns out he's a big fan of like Big Daddy Kane and Rakim and all these old school rappers. And while I'm not a massive fan of them, I, I love Rakim and I like that old school stuff. We bridge the gap by listening to li to the Living Legends, the famed California supergroup. And on every song that came on of the Living Legends, he would be like, hey, this is cool. I'm like, yeah, this is the Living Legends. I think you like them. And by the way, they're from right, right here, right around the corner. Found out he grew up largely an only child. 
already told you that his whole family was from another continent or another country. So was mine. Found out that he um, really advocated the use of marijuana and smoked weed, you know. So did at the time. I mean, I advocated. I didn't smoke. But I was a heavy, heavy and am a heavy, heavy advocate. In fact, he's an advocate for anti-prohibition. So am I. Right? All of these things we started to learn more and more about. He was telling me about his days in the bar and how negative people go there at certain hours. And I couldn't agree more. We started to bond over Barry Sanders and Earl Campbell, guys that he saw come through the college ranks and end up in the NFL. People that I didn't see live play, maybe Barry Sanders, and I still idolize because as a kid, I was a running back. So I really got to know that. And knowing his sister, who is a great human, it's very easy for me to say, hey, I don't give a shit who they vote for in large order, especially because we're out here in California. This is down home, cream of the crop, good folks. And that's all I need to bridge a gap and to train and, yeah, go to their house and, yeah, offer them and accept from gifts from them. We've exchanged gifts more so than I have with any other trainee ever to this day and probably going forward. I've watched both of them retire. I've pretty much been deep in their lives except for the point where I've met a whole lot of their, what do you call it, immediate family. But I'm probably like a cousin to them. People that I never thought I would have any type of connection in that way, except for a human one, I found a much deeper one. Take a minute to consider what you share with those around you. We get stuck in tribalism. Where my tribe is this way, your tribe is that way. Nah. I want you to think, hey, my tribe is this way. We have these values. And anyone that shares these values is welcome. That propagates and promotes the values I hold and what my tribe hold. Furthermore, it don't got to be about what they do, what they're not about. Only in times of desperation do we start looking at others as a threat to our own safety. That's just fact. I still think about that book, Tribe by Sebastian Younger, and how he tells a story about a homeless guy who's helping out someone who I think was hitchhiking by giving that guy his shoes. The dude was homeless and he's giving the hitchhiker the shoes. And the, and the hitchhiker was like, uh, bro, I'm good. You're homeless. And the homeless guy was like, I get it, but this is what we do out here. This is how we survive. Okay? I'm not saying hitchhike across the country is super dangerous, but I am saying Sometimes being in a tribe isn't about 
being the fighter or the warrior defender of that tribe. Leave that to those folks. Right? If you don't have it in you, all you have to do is support the tribe that you're in. Welcome its values and be a part of that. And you'll notice that your tribe is much more a nation. Right? Or maybe it includes far more people than you thought it did. Right? Kind of like going to the gym. I know out here, you got a lot of different races inside this gym. If I go to another gym, I might have similar races, right? It might be all black folks in a certain gym, but the ideals could be a lot more, I guess, on a gradient. And that's cool, too. We don't all have to listen to the same fucking music. We don't all have to have the same political leanings. As long as our values, those good ones, are the same. All right, you guys, so thanks for listening again. That'll be it for this one. If you need to get on the show as a guest and tell your story, go to heartofafighter.com. If you want some more great habit-forming tips and free courses, nutrition, meal planning, and fitness, go to coachjohancscs.com. And lastly, run the change. Facebook.com at CoachYohanCSCS.com. Join us. Until then, stay up.